What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Have you ever been playing sexually, alone, or with a partner, and spotted an object, maybe a vegetable or an appliance, and decided to get creative and basically turn that item into a sex toy? If so, you have used pervertibles, a word used to describe common household objects that get all sexed up. Sometimes these adventures go really well, and other times they land folks in the emergency room. For the past decade, journalist Barry Pacheski has been chronicling what he calls our country's cavity misadventures. In other words, objects that folks get stuck in their body holes during sex to the point of needing medical care. He draws the information from reports from this federal database of ER visits, and his reports are published each year in Vice. I recently explored his latest findings with sexologist, relationship expert, and body image specialist, Dr. Megan Stubbs. We talked about harmful items that should be kept out of the vagina and anus, ways to safely use pervertibles, how to make sure actual sex toys you choose are good for your body, and more. Later in the show, we'll hear Dr. Megan Fleming's thoughts for a listener whose partner has complained about his smaller-than-her-ex's penis size. So Dr. Megan Stubbs can speak to the topic of pervertibles from both personal and professional experience. I don't want to speak for all sex educators, but I feel like if you're in this space... You've definitely explored with some pervertibles. (laughs) I mean, I've definitely explored with things like silicone spatulas or using um, clothespins or things like vegetables or even bring in like, you know, syrups, chocolate, honey, whipped cream, all those things. So if we're in the grocery store, I'm like, huh, how can we use this? (laughs) Megan told me that exploring with these pervertibles pretty much always provides a learning experience. Spontaneously playing with a spatula might help you realize you enjoy impact play, for example. But moving forward from there, you would probably want to switch to a silicone spatula or paddle that's designed for sexy spanking versus keeping your favorite cake-baking spatula on your nightstand. The use of pervertibles can bring other benefits too, giving us a chance to get creative and resourceful, especially if actual sex toys aren't within reach. Sometimes you're camping and you're like, you know what, let's, let's uh, fashion something out of this uh, cucumber here. <laughs> of course, personal safety is incredibly important. A certain fruit or vegetable might have a shape or texture you're looking for, but they can also make way for infections if parts end up lingering inside of you. Thankfully, there are workarounds for that. 
when you're looking at pervertibles, you have to, you know, how can you be safe with this product? Because obviously we're eating cucumbers, not necessarily putting them inside ourselves. So ways to protect yourself are by putting barriers on them. So external condoms are super great for this. Um, it helps keep any of the plant or vegetable juices or whatever inside the condom and not in you because depending on what it is, it could upset your internal flora and fauna and then that leads to infections and sadness. Megan told me she looks forward to reading the Vice List each year because it shows how curious folks are sexually and some of the things that they're curious about. What's the thought process behind like, hey, I've got this perfume bottle. Let me just put it in my vagina and see what happens. And it's just like, wow, fascinating. So tells me two things. People are curious. And two, people need education around what is permissible and what is going to wind you up in the ER for, you know, things that you can put inside of you. Here's what fell on the 2019 list for items that did lead folks to the ER, starting with the vagina category. A toothbrush. A metal and plastic container. Tape. A cell phone. Perfume bottle. Makeup sponge large piece of underwear, toy action figure, rubber ball, and someone else claimed they, quote, jumped off a couch and landed on a spoon. The rectum category included these gems. A metal air freshener can, a folding knife, a toothpick, toothbrush, a toothbrush holder, a plunger handle, mattress foam, two razor blades, a turkey baster, condom wrapper, a coat hanger, garden hose cap, cigarette lighter, toy hockey stick, water gun, coins, egg timer, small shampoo bottle, light bulb, applesauce can, and Christmas ornament. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Some of these items seem like choices of convenience. You're in the bathroom, naked, and hey, there's a toothbrush or a plunger. I'm all for impromptu adventures. I also realize that we all make mistakes. When you're in the heat of the moment and certain brain chemicals are flowing, we might not make the most ideal judgment calls 100% of the time. Or maybe alcohol-induced tipsiness is involved. I did cringe a bit imagining the injuries some of these objects brought to mind, and some sound downright painful, which may be part of the draw in certain cases. Scientists have found pain indicators in the same brain circuits that give us pleasure, which is one reason some people really get off on pain. I definitely don't want to discount the people who do enjoy that kind of pain. I think a lot of times with like the random items that we're like, what?! I think it might have just been like a curiosity and like, we're committed, let's just do it and see what happens. And then inadvertently, it's like, this is painful. Oh man, this hurts. I ripped something. And so I think it's the fallout of like, I didn't realize this was gonna be so painful because you know, you're maybe exploring your butt for the first time and you don't realize how sensitive it is. And your two sphincters are like, what are you doing? <laughs> if you do want to engage in some anal play, here's a phrase to hold close to your heart and your boners. Without a base, without a trace. Anything that goes in your butt has to be with a flared base or be attached to a human body. So it's not going to get sucked up in there. So if anything does get sucked up into your butt and you cannot remove it, that definitely requires a trip to the emergency room. And be honest. Don't just say like, I don't know. Uh, be clear. Be like, listen, 
light bulb stuck in my butt. It's been like three hours, you know, be really clear on what's going on because they're there to help you. They're not going to be able to guess and be like, so what's going on? I've got some pain, got some pain back here. Right. Do you have any idea what that could be from? No, no idea. <laughs> you know, so don't feel shame about going to the doctor because that's for your medical health. You need to get that taken care of. So important, right? And you don't need to get into tons of specifics about the sexual activity. You could say something as simple as, we were having sex and got this light bulb stuck in my vagina. If whoever you tell seems judgy, that is on them. Regardless, I am with Megan. I'm pretty sure most healthcare providers will appreciate your honesty so that they can provide the care you need. And you definitely don't want to leave any unnecessary guesswork. Megan pointed out a few other signs you might need medical care, even if something isn't stuck inside you, including non-menstrual blood or bleeding during sex, significant pain during or after sex, and lingering discomfort, whether you used an object or not. So what about the more common everyday items lots of us play with during sex? Some of those are safe, some of those are not, and many of them could be used more safely. If you want to play safely with whipped cream, go for it. But take Dr. Stubbs' advice by making a sexy sundae, one that only goes in one type of hole, the mouth. I would even just say stay away from the genital region if you're a vulva owner. And external, you know, kind of like foreplay fun, licking kind of situation. Definitely feel free to like make a sundae out of your penis owner friend. But as far as vulva and whipped cream, probably not the best mix. Vaginal douching is another common practice, and it's also a risky one. This type of douching is linked with irritation and a range of conditions such as pelvic inflammatory disease, bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, and even cervical cancer. And once you experience irritation, little micro-tears can develop and make it easier for STIs to enter in. If you currently douche, Megan Stubbs had this advice. Please stop. <laughs> Just shy away from that. You know, our vaginas are not meant to smell like mountain meadows or fresh rainforest rain. I mean, they're supposed to smell like vaginas because they are vaginas. And it's so true when you're douching, you're literally wiping out maybe the air quotes, bad bacteria, bad smelling bacteria, but you're also taking out all the good bacteria. And the first team to come back in is the bad bacteria because they're like, yeah, empty house, let's take over. Now we have a yeast infection. Now we have BV. Like, don't do that. It's also a good thing to have like a baseline knowledge of what your vagina normally smells like. So if anything's off, you'll know that, hey, something might be going on because that's a really great way for your body to be like, hey, something's wrong. Got this strange smell, got the strange discharge. Not to just wipe it all away and say, oh, it's fine now but really pay attention to what your body's telling you and what it's doing and producing to let you know if things are okay and if things are not so great. The vagina is self-cleaning. How awesome is that? And by vagina, I mean the internal canal that starts at the vulva. To keep the whole vulva area clean, you only need warm water and, optionally, a gentle soap. The same goes for washing a penis. Anal douching is another story and a type of douche Megan Stubbs is on board for. So if you want to explore anal play and you really want to be totally cleaned out, just so you know, like your lower colon is it's like a storage facility. It's not like the keeper of the poo. So if you're having regular bowel movements and everything is normative, like it was a clean break, nothing you know loose, 
you should be okay. But if you really want to have that deep clean, a quick short enema is totally okay. Very easy, accessible at most drugstores around the country. Do a wash or two, rinse it out, and you're good to go. There are some people though who like to do the deep uh, enema where you're really getting past the sigmoid colon and getting everything cleaned out. That is not a fast one. <laughs> that is not, we're going to do anal tonight and think you're going to be able to, you know, wash everything out and be good to go. That's a, a longer process. When you're playing with items designed for sex, you still want to make sure that you're choosing the safest options, especially if you have sensitive skin or you're prone to or concerned about infections. Sex toys are usually classified as novelty items, so the FDA doesn't regulate them the way they do other health products. So paying attention to the materials they're made of tends to be pretty important. You can also look for the term body safe on product packaging. A body safe toy is any toy that's going to be non-reactive. I love saying, think about things you have in the kitchen, stainless steel, silicone, glass, those products that are very safe, easy to clean, can be sterilized easily. And look at that into sex toys. So silicone toys, glass toys, uh, metal dildos, like all these different things you can use that can be clean easily. On the flip side, toys that have a squishier feel are porous, which means they can trap bacteria. I told Megan about one of the first toys I ever purchased, this dildo from some adult website years ago. It was a fun toy, but it left this kind of oily film on your hands and it had this rubbery smell. And I developed a couple of UTIs after I started using it. Now I think it's likely there was a link. Yeah. And I mean, even growing up too, I remember those toys, they smell like, you know, that new Barbie smell. And those are those phthalates, those plastic softeners that make it feel like real skin. And that's why they're oily or greasier. They say, store me with a uh, cornstarch. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And you're like, no, what? Well, we're not making cake. And I think there's a lack of awareness around that materials matter when it comes to toys, but especially when we're putting them in our vaginas, are they clean? Are they going to still harbor bacteria? Yeah, apparently, because, you know, they're going to come in and it's going to affect us. Those softeners, phthalates, are also known to have carcinogenic properties. So risky, some variants are banned from being included in kids' toys in the U.S. Thankfully, if you have such a sex toy and love it, or just really prefer the feel of porous toys, you can take steps to use them safely. You can still buy them and then put a cover over them like an external condom and still use them. But also, too, you don't have to spend three figures to buy a nice sex toy. There's many, many, many value price toys that are available that are made with good products. Before we finished chatting, I asked Megan Stubbs to share a bit about the book she's written that will be published in April of next year. I have a feeling we'll be hearing more from her around then. At least I hope so. Here's a sneak peek at her creation entitled Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating, and Happiness. So it's a book about how to lead a happy single life, whether you are newly single or like super single like me, <laughs> just how to find happiness uh, in being single and, you know, really leading a fulfilling life, both on your own and also sexually too. Like you don't have to seek out sexual validation from people. You can totally build that within yourself. And it's also like a little kind of like field guide to like how to date in the wild <laughs> at the very end. How fun does that sound? Learn more about Dr. Megan Stubbs at sexologistmegan.com. 
This week's listener question involves dealing with a partner's negative comments about something that is definitely embraceable. The question came in anonymously through my latest email list survey, but we will call the person Dennis. He wrote this. Sis guy here. How do I handle a situation where my partner communicates that my penis is much smaller than her ex and she is not satisfied? Thanks so much for writing in, Dennis. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. Dennis, thanks so much for your question. Part of me wants to know how long have you been seeing this girl? And also, listen, I'm all for us advocating for our sexual pleasure and communicating to our partner what turns us on. But it seems like, at least in the way you ask the questions, the way in which she's saying it, that, quote unquote, you're not satisfier. And and that comparison trap to an ex, I mean, it's not as if I haven't heard this over the last 20 years. And it certainly depends on how recently she had been involved in this last relationship. Because again, it could be more powerful memory and sort of sensation. But that ultimately, it's so important in terms of how we communicate our wishes and our longings to our partner and that we do it from the positive, like I really would love to experience more fullness or length versus coming from what sounds like more of a frustration as if, quote unquote, you're not satisfying her. So first of all is I'd want to get a better sense of, is it just penetration? Because again, there's your fingers, your mouth, there's so many ways to pleasure your partner and certainly also the use of sex toys. And if it's particular, because again, some women really do prefer penetration, that there are the options of using either the penis extenders or they're sometimes called sleeves. It's almost like a strap-on, but it's onto your penis and that there's a loop that basically put around your testicles, a ball strap that keeps it in place. And so that is an option that would give you both either length or girth. They also have different textures, like there's many of them on the market. So it could be a lot of fun to sort of explore and figure out which one would you want to start with and recognizing, as I often say, it's all about having more tools in your toolbox. So listen, certainly there are many ways that you can give her pleasure, but I think most importantly, it's letting her know that how that must have, I can only imagine, made you feel because this is your anatomy and you can't change that. Thankfully, again, we have so many options with toys that there are many ways you can sort of duplicate the sensation that she's longing for. But most importantly, as with most couples, it's sort of thinking out of the box because as I always say, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So listen, fantastic. This is one of her favorites or preferences. There are absolutely ways that you can create that together. But more importantly, exploring more ways in other turn-ons, you know, even through tantric practices or breath work or more like I sort of say the biggest sex organs are mine, but the biggest organ is our skin. So sort of head to toe, really exploring what are those hot spots and erogenous zones. And most importantly, also having her really explore what your own personal turn-ons are. That again, this is something that you both collaboratively are sort of say it's like being adult in a sandbox. This is your playtime. This is your exploration. And that, you know, being open and receptive to all the wonderful ways in which you can experience pleasure. So as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thank you, Dr. Megan. I so agree that we need to be careful and caring about the ways we express our desires and our wants with partners. And Dennis, a comment like you described would have made me feel pretty hurt myself. I definitely think wonky messages about what we need in order to have pleasure and the overemphasis on penis size in general in our culture could be playing a role here. And so many of us get stuck thinking, 
that we only are mostly like a very specific kind of pleasure because we just haven't learned a lot. So I love the ideas of exploring other ways for you both to enjoy pleasure. This might be an opportunity to help your partner learn incredible new ways that she can feel good and have fun. And I do think a heart-to-heart about the ways you communicate is in order to The best partners have our best interests at heart and don't want to hurt us at all. They want the opposite. It's also easy to misunderstand comments that aren't totally clear, especially if they hit a sensitive nerve. So I don't know exactly the verbiage that was used, but I think just getting clarity for both of you on what was being communicated and kind of where to go from there. More talking, more empathy, more understanding, and more pleasure all around. I am so for all of that. If you have a question for myself or Dr. Megan Fleming, please reach out to us. To receive Clitoral Play, Seven Techniques for Mind-Blowing Pleasure, and occasional hot sex tips from Dr. Megan, text DESIRE to 66866. Again, that's DESIRE to 66866. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I would love it if you would hit subscribe if you haven't and leave a rating or review. And most importantly, if you have a friend who you think could benefit from these messages and stories, please share links to the show. This episode was hosted and produced by me, August McLaughlin, with audio management by Mackenzie Mazel, the founder of the Period Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.